music, athletics, arts, and entertainment. The Desert Tiger Podcast with Colton Geschwader. The year is 2018. One man with a plan and one podcast. Look to take over the world through stories from musicians, comedians, athletes, whether they be wrestlers, football players, or hockey players, other people who work in media or do very interesting things, whoever I can get my grubby, dirty little hands on and try and promote and share their story. I don't know if you guys have checked the calendar yet, but in 2018, it's the year of the Desert Tiger Podcast because we are coming straight for your throat this year with tons of amazing interviews that I already do have lined up or are lining up. So you guys have a ton of exciting material come your way. So if you're a new listener, you may want to hit that subscribe button right now. If you're someone who's been listening for a little while, well, thank you if you've hit that subscribe button. And if you've rated and reviewed the show on iTunes, you are golden in my heart. You are a gentle or gentle man or gentle woman and a scholar, whoever you may be, those that voted for me. But before I start rambling off about the future of the Desert Tiger podcast and what we have coming forward, we have to get you introduced to today's guest. That's right, today's guest is Tanner Sear, that is C-Y-R, and he hails from Lethbridge, Alberta. Tanner has quite a bit of music writing and per, like recording experience, and he's looking to push that even further this year, and you're going to find out about that. Tanner recorded his first album, Killing Me, in between 2014 and 2015 with Scott Marshall of Mariana's Trench fame, and you're going to hear more about that. And you're also going to hear more about his second album, as well as the one that is on its way very soon from my boy Cody McManus at Storm the Wall Productions. Tanner has a very eclectic sound and presentation to his music, and it makes for some very, very good listening. And to say that someone could be bored by it would be lying, because... The amount of detail that man puts into things is absolutely incredible. And you're going to hear some of the details that he works on and that he tries to put in all of his songs. Before we can get to our interview with Mr. Tanner Sear, before we can let you know a little bit about what he's like, you know we like to give you a little bit of music to get you in the mood for who you're going to be listening to and give you a better understanding of them. So, I've chosen one of the songs off of Tanner's second release, which is entitled Angel from Hell. Thank you. 
Hazel eyes come alive like the sunshine Light the way and lead me back to the good times Like the 90s man, she rocks it well High school parties and some fights are like crazy Come between us and get fucked up by my lady Like an atom bomb, she'll drop a shell from hell oh, oh, she's an angel from hell Oh, oh, she'll rock your world with just a spell Upside down and around you spin me around Upside down and around you spin my whole world around Upside down and around you spin me around She's an angel from hell have gone right With everything going right I still can't fall asleep at night And I'm hoping she's gonna hand me the cure Whoa Oh, she's an angel from hell Oh, oh, she's an angel from hell Oh, oh, she'll rock your world with just a spell Desert Tiger Podcast. There we go. 
All right, we are here with Tanner Sear. How's it going? Not too bad. How are you? I am doing a lot better than I was yesterday, but we do not have to get into that one. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. So, how are you doing in this beautiful, wonderful new year? Uh, it's good. 2018 is off to uh, a good start. I had some car problems, but I think it's only up from here. Oh, it's, if, if you start off on a bad note, you can only go up, right? Exactly. That's, that's sort of how I'm taking things. Gotta I like the approach. The positive. You got to look for the positive. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So Sear is not your actual last name. So where does Sear come from? Sear is actually my last name. Uh, I, oh, is it? Yeah, it's just Tanner Sear. Okay. Um, yeah, we just decided to go with it. I used to do my music a little solo a few years ago. Yeah. And it just kind of stuck as the brand name as I kept making records. And now it's just the band name. Okay. Yeah, if you look at bands like Billy Talent and you ask someone, do you listen to Billy Talent? They're like, oh, I love that guy. And you automatically know they don't listen to Billy Talent because no one in the band is named Billy. So. Well, it's it is the name Billy Talent comes from Hardcore Logo. Oh, really? I didn't yes, even know that. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it was a movie that was made in the 90s that uh, stars Hugh Dillon, lead singer of the Headstones. Oh, I need to watch this then because I love Billy Talent. I basically grew up on Billy Talent. Yeah, Billy Talent is named after the guitarist in that movie. Oh, okay. That makes somewhat of sense then because we were yeah. kind of pushing that direction then and we just want someone in the band to actually have the name. Yeah, no, it's everybody thinks that somebody in the band is named Billy and then I was an extra in the second Hardcore logo and that's how I ended up finding out that Billy Talent was actually a character in the director's movies. Oh, that's insane. Yeah, it was kind of insane. Are the movies any good? Uh, the first one is good. The second one's a little eh. I'll watch them anyways. Yeah, the first one is fantastic. If you are a fan of Hugh Dillon's acting, this is pretty much where he got his start, and it is on point. It's like it's the tale of like a punk rock band traveling across Western Canada on their last tour ever. Oh, perfect. Yeah, and it's just like they just go through all sorts of stuff and like they end up having like satanic fucking trips. And... Beautiful. Oh, yeah, it's a wonderful movie. Okay, so uh, what do you do in the uh, Tanner Seer project? I do a little bit of everything. I, we okay. just recently have a lead guitarist. I'm not okay. much of a guitarist, but I do a lot of the rhythm guitars, acoustic guitars. I'm a bassist myself, but I play acoustic okay. live. Okay, I write all. So you kind of started out by writing everything, and then you added in the guitarist afterwards. Yeah, I've always grown up just kind of trying to write music. I would like reverse engineer songs I liked, and I've kind of just grown that way. But oh, I do awesome. write on acoustic. But I played on Angel from Hell. My last record was the only time I've ever played live drums. Oh wow! Yeah, so that was so, interesting. Yeah. Most guys who don't really play drums usually wouldn't even attempt that. They would just get a friggin machine to do it for them so yeah we i use a lot of the machines too in some tracks but like yeah. i had a lot of help like i work with storm the wall and cody mcmanus of bellevue as well he yeah, can make guys. me sound like a good drummer i'm a decent drummer but he makes me sound a whole lot better yeah no he's the storm the wall guys are fantastic i had them on here for episode six and they're I'm magicians actually, Oh, they absolutely are. I've actually messaged Cody about doing some uh, different intro pieces for me. Oh, yeah. Trust me. He'll he'll handle it very well. 
Oh, I expect him to. There's no reason I wouldn't have taken it to him otherwise. Yeah, he can make me sound like a, a musician of all types. <laughs> well, that's good. So, as a musician, when did you get your start in music? Where did you begin? Well, it happened, like, when I was six, my dad bought me a drum kit for Christmas. Yeah. He was a drummer back in the day in New Brunswick, and uh, he actually toured a bit in Quebec and New Brunswick, oh, wow. and it's kind of a weird story, I think, if I remember it correctly, he was in an airport and his drum kit was stolen, and he kind of just like, okay, that's it. <laughs> but if I remember that correctly, I don't know if that's the story 100%. That's yeah, in my either, memory. either way, it's a little unfortunate. I could see how that could possibly turn somebody away from continually yeah. to make something. It's a funny story. I like to think that's the 100% truth. But then he got me a drum kit when I was six. He tried to teach me and I wanted nothing to do with it. So yeah. I kind of didn't touch music for a while. I didn't really listen to music either. And then to bring it back around to Billy Talent, we wanted Billy Talent 2 CD on the radio. I would just okay. sit in my room, listen to that album over and over again, reading the lyrics. I'm like, okay, I want to do music now. And mm -hmm. for whatever reason, I wanted to play bass. I, I would watch videos of bands and I would watch the guitarist. I'm like, that looks hard. I don't want to do that. Drumming was hard. I don't want to do that. But I saw the, the bassist. I'm like, that guy's playing the easy guitar. I want to learn that one. <laughs> yeah. So hey, I, is someone who started in guitar and who now plays bass? Yeah. I actually have a lot of respect for bass, and that's why I made the switch. I, I love bassists. Like, you, you got Flea out there. Uh, if you're familiar with the band Muse, that guy is insane. Oh, oh man. Hysteria is one of. Like, yeah, the first songs I ever learned and like I actually just got cleared by a doctor again to play bass again So I plan on learning that what happened again. with the doctor? Oh, I shattered my wrist like six months ago and I was told don't play music or your Oh, that's horrible. might pop out. Yeah, <laughs> that is horrible So yeah. I literally literally am just able to play music now <laughs> Yeah, I have a special place in my heart for muse like when I first picked up the bass I was like 13 or 14 it was years till I picked up music again and I just sat in my basement and again just learning every Muse song at one point in my life I've played every Muse song on the bass and I'm like so proud of that wow. I love that band yeah no I've I'm actually kind of jealous of that is like I wish I knew that much of any band's repertoire yeah I, I went insane on the the Muse and Billy Talent for my bass and then I eventually I branched you. out into everything else and that's it is like Billy Talent too. Like I I remember that CD. Me and my best friend used to listen to that every single weekend, like on repeat. And like that was a powerful album. So I understand where you're coming from on that one. Oh, I still throw it on some of these days, like back to oh, front. Same. Like I know every note, every word. I, it's mm. one of the best records ever. It's it's fantastic. It's truly like I still think it's probably their best one. Oh, hands down, in my hands opinion. down. I agree. All right, so you after you started there, like you, before we started talking, you mentioned that you played a little bit of music in school, but then took a bit of a break. So, what was your experience with music in school, and then why did you end up taking like time off from like live shows and stuff? Well, I, when I first started playing bass, like I had my friends around me, they're like, "Okay, Tanner plays bass," and I had my one friend. He uh, he's a really good singer, and like he plays acoustic guitar. I think he still plays shows around Calgary here and there. Yeah, But he had some songs and he wanted to record them like, oh, okay, I'll play bass for you. And we ended up putting a few bucks together and just went into a studio one day and recorded a few songs. Mm -hmm. He printed some CDs and he made a name for us. It's the weirdest name ever. I used to play in a band, like this band was called Fictional Virginity. 
<laughs> yeah, and like the, the most the, the the weirdest part about that name is that our gym teacher made it for us because he was friends with our gym teacher. Really? Yeah, it's so weird. Oh wow. Yeah, but I I went along with it. Uh, it came out when we went into grade ten, and we just kind of sold it out of our sold it out of our backpacks. But that was the end of fictional virginity, and I kind of just went on my own way. That's fair. Yeah, it was fun though. Interesting. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Oh, so then you took a little bit of time off, and then what made you decide to start playing again in more so than just a hobby fashion? I, I started picking up GarageBand near the end of high school. So this uh -huh. is maybe around 2011, 2012. Yeah. So I started learning more guitar and drums. I had a little electric kit, so I started putting a bunch of instrumentals together. At that time, yeah. I had no faith in my singing whatsoever. I've gotten a little it, bit better. <laughs> it's hard to have faith in your singing if you've never been a singer before. It's it's incredibly hard. <laughs> like, it, like It can actually affect your singing ability. Yeah, and it's it's taken years and years just to get to a point where I'm like, I'm a little bit decent now. Like I'm not the yeah. best, I'm not the worst. But, but you're confident. I'm, I'm getting there. It yeah, it's, it's definitely getting better, so I'll keep at it. But yeah, That's I kept good. doing instrumentals, and eventually I started singing on them. And then uh, I actually took two years off of uh, school after I graduated. I'm at L now for Audio Digital. Okay. But in those two years, I did construction. I remember working out in like minus 40 weather, just thinking like, I got to do something. Like either start doing music or go to school. So yeah. I set the path on doing both of them, basically. And that's when I did my first record. And then from there, I went to school. And then we did Angel from Hell. And now yeah. we're working on the new one that should be due out about mid-2018. Okay. Nice. So that'll be your third? Yeah, the said? third one. It's going to okay. be called A Storm You Can Weather. We'll have the first single uh, called Nightclub Dancing Devotee come out, I believe, on February 16th, just before we go on a tour with Mostly Wanted. Okay. Good boys in the Moss Luan and crew. They love yeah, they seem fun. great. They love to have fun. So they're always, always good to be around. So let's start off with the first record then. Yeah, back in back in the day. <laughs> back in uh, well, released in 2016. So yeah, written in 2015. Well, we started recording that record in 2014. It oh, took wow. forever to do that because I did have the full time job at that time, and it was still just me. So I was doing like part by part. So and you're we, trying to do everything plus balancing the work plus balancing life. <laughs> yeah, and, and that was when I first started singing too. So I had to wrap my head around like I'm going to be the singer on this and it might yeah. not be the best. It turned out well. Like I look back on that record. I'm like it's better than I give it credit for nowadays. Yeah. It's, it is what it is. It but definitely yeah, that, is. But... It took a while to make that one. And like it was finished mid-2015. And the guy I did it with actually started Mariana's Trench with Josh Ramsey. Yeah, Steve Marshall. Steve Marshall, yeah. He's a great dude. He's out in Vancouver now. Okay. But we had one song. It was called Party on Top of the World. Yeah. And he thought he had, like, a, we had a good song out of that one. So we had a guy come down from Edmonton. His name was Paul Wyota. Yeah. He, he, he redid the vocals on that song. And he was we were trying to push that song for some kind of release elsewhere through maybe 604 or some uh -huh. other place. And that's what really stretched out the release of having Killing Me come out. We were just yeah. waiting to see if something could happen with that song. Yeah. Eventually, enough. nothing really did happen with that song. So I personally just took Killing Me out. And that's why it took basically two years to get that one out. Well, that's it. Is at some point you just sort of have to decide, am I going to wait for hmms and ahs? Or am I just going to yeah. put it out there and let them come to me after? <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. 
it, it was good to get out. I was waiting to kind of just finally do something on my own, and it was fun to have that album come out and then just continue forward with it. Okay, that's awesome. Is there any uh, track on that album that really stands out for you? Because the first album is usually like the story of your life before that, right? So it's like, is there anything that like really hits home with you or sticks with you? Uh, yeah, I have a few songs that I'm still like, I think are still some really good songs in there. Again, you have the Party on Top of the World song. We left that as a bonus track on there. Yeah. The opening song, Do You Remember Me? Uh, that's a really good one. I'm actually still really proud of that one. We have a duet on there. It's kind of like a an old 50s, 60s swing with acoustic and trumpets. It's a duet as well. It's called If You Knew on Killing okay. Me. That's another really good one. Mm-hmm. And then another that's, song uh, called... Jamie McQueen? Yes, that, that's okay. a friend that went to school with me. She's a pretty good singer. Nice. I had her come sing on that. Oh, that's pretty and awesome. Then, yeah, we had a song called Fragile on that one as well. It's, it's kind of interesting song. Mm. I like it. It turned out well. I listened back on that one, and I think it turned out really well. That's good. That's very good. Oh, yeah. So then you took a little bit of a transition uh, for two years to release your next album, Angel from Hell. Which Yeah. So who did you record that with, and what was that experience kind of like? Uh, Angel from Hell, again, was through... Uh, well, this was my first record with Storm the Wall. I actually found oh, okay. Cody McManus through uh, the program at UofL that I'm in now. Yeah, because he graduated from that, did he not? Yeah, yeah, he's a graduate of it. He's one of the... Probably the best guy I've seen come out of that program so far. That's good. Yeah, you run into a different different uh, ambitions in that program. Well, there's so many different types of music and out there. It's the types of people that end up in that sort of program are the ones that aren't the popular types of music. So you get a lot of eclectic sounds and emotions. Yeah, and it almost plays to the benefit of the program where you could be the one and only person with your set of goals or ambitions and you could find a path with that. And I think a lot of people have that in the program as well. Yeah. But That's yeah, awesome. I went to U of L after we did killing me and everything. Okay. And so I kind of didn't go ahead. So you started going to the U of L and then met Cody there. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, it was kind of a year off after I did the first record It's just yeah. I'm like, it took such a long time and such a process to do that. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to take a break. I did my first year. And then funny enough, I started looking for people just to do recordings here or there. And I was yeah. on the university of Lethbridge confessions page mm-hmm. and some guy had posted a confession saying like, if anyone needs music made, I can help you. Yeah. And I, I commented and uh, a guy messaged me back. His name is Tyler Vanden Duel, I believe, if I have okay. his name correct. Mm-hmm. He actually was the first guy I started working on Angel from Hell with. He uh-huh. also is a solo artist. He has some of his stuff out there. Okay. But he brought me into the studio in Lethbridge. He did a few things for me, and it's it just like our time management wasn't working too well. So he hooked me up with Cody, and then from there, we just banged out the rest of Angel from Hell, and it was just like a dream come true. That record's mm-hmm. really good. No, I was listening to a bit of it before we started this, and it sounds very nice. Like, the song Unbearably, I must say, I'm a fan of. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. It's like, it really, the lyrics on it just really caught me, and I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a good song. I like every song on there, too. It's just, after not writing music for a good year, I think all yeah. those songs just fell out of me really naturally. Nice. So did you do most of the instrumentation yourself on this one too, or did Cody sort of help you out? Because I know that he's done that for other musicians in the past. Yeah, he did some lead parts. So what happened is I did a lot of my rhythm parts. I did everything that I did basically. 
yeah, I have some lead guitar. I did lead guitar for Unbearably, actually. But Cody did lead some leads on Angel from Hell. Mm-hmm. He did leads on uh, Magic in Your Eyes. Okay. Um, he did on a few others. Let me think here. Uh, Before I Find Me, he did a, a good little lead part. Okay. But then uh, we actually had the record without the song When Stars Collide. And I wrote that song right at the end of it. Yeah. So I ended up actually driving up to Vancouver to meet with Steve Marshall again. And he recorded that song for me. And he plays all the leads on that one. Oh, nice. Yeah. So still sort of keeping that relationship with Steve Marshall alive too. Yeah. Yeah. I talk to him every now and again. Uh, he's a good guy. He's an interesting guy. If you ever met him or talked to him, texting him is just, it's, it's like a book. Like I, my screenshots are just full of texts from him. He's a crazy guy. Hmm, nice. Um, actually looking to have producers on the show in the future. So maybe that's somebody I'll reach out to. Absolutely. I can help you with that. Hopefully. Oh, that would be fantastic. And I would enjoy that a lot. So besides the fact that you were working with other people and like some of the leads were taken care of, what were some of the other transitions from Angel to Hell? Like, was there a bit of a transition in the lyrics at all or? Um, I think it was a transition in my writing style too. Like, okay. I think just before that point, like it's a different point in my life too. It was a good couple years after basically. Yeah. You took some Three time years off. From so it gives you a lot of experience, right? Yeah. And I kind of like understood where I wanted to go with it. And I just knew what kind of songs I wanted. I wanted better songs. I wanted to be better, a better singer. Yeah. And I think that time off helped a lot. Definitely. And I approached every song like if this was going to be the one song that someone heard, hopefully I can make it that one song. Yeah. And I listened to a lot of different bands. Like at that point in my life, I really started branching out and listening to different artists like Panic at the Disco, Five Seconds of Summer. And I would hear things. I'm like, I want to emulate this and that and the other. Mm-hmm. Well, they- and it just kind of all fell into place with this one that's it is those groups use a lot of interesting song writing patterns and a lot of interesting sounds so i can definitely see why you would want to kind of take some influence from that and whatnot yeah and it was another learning curve because like again like growing up learning the music i was so isolated again i listen to muse billy talent you can count on one hand the bands i listen to (laughs) <laughs> and that was for years too it was insane like looking back i can't believe i did that and it took a long time for me to start listening to other artists and really like getting what you can out of them yeah it's i don't know if i could ever just take like five artists and just listen to them ever it, it was insane i don't know if it was to the benefit <laughs> or to like the benefit of learning the instruments and some ideas but well, it's, it's, I found a way at some point. Yes. At some point. No, I would argue because there's the point where it's, you can learn what they're doing, like so much to a point that like you're learning those aspects. Yeah. And it's like, and then like you're honing in on that rather than spending your time spread out against all different types of things. So there, there could be an advantage and a disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're a hundred percent right with that. Definitely. So, um, is there any lyrics on Angel from Hell that really stick out for you? Ooh, that's that's a good question. Um, I think the song The Snow is a, yeah. a very important song. I never meant it to be like political at all. It's just I'm not a very political person at all. And I can understand if someone listened to that listened to the snow and thought this was a political song, I understand. Yeah. But I, I approach that song more of just like be a good person okay there's a lot of negativity out there so just like relax you'll get through it 
True. It's true. There's a lot of people, including myself up to not too long ago, spend way too much time worrying about the negativity that surrounds them. Yeah. And, uh, but actually to answer your question, I think one of my favorite lyrics is on the song resuscitate me. Cause yeah. again, after doing killing me, like I, it was, a, it's a good record looking back, but when I first did it, I even, I could find some flaws in it and I still do like you find the flaws in yourself. You're your biggest critic, right? So, so is that I have to ask right now is the name resuscitate me an actual response to killing me? Absolutely. Yes. That is thank awesome. you. Awesome. <laughs> That's I, cause I went into like, as soon as we started doing angel from hell, I was t- like working with Cody and I still didn't quite have the song. Yeah. And I wanted to like almost address it to myself. Like I could like killing me if I did it now would have been much better. It still is good for what it is. Yeah. But I wrote resuscitate me. I'm like, I need to write like a response, like the sequel basically. And so I wanted to like the, the happy ending to that record. That is fantastic. And the lyrics in there, it's like, uh, Oh, how does it go? Like just the lyrics. Like I say, you used to kill me something along those lines. It's been a while. Like it's all a blur in my head, but like yeah. I really sing just basically about my first album and it's, huh. I, I really like that song. It's so a personal sort of one. Just like connect the first album and like what it meant to you sort of thing. Yeah. That's deep. It's just like, like introspectively looking back on it and be like, this is what it is. That is deep. And that is awesome. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. That like, I, I respect someone who's willing to put in the time to actually not only pay homage to something that was a part of them, but actually like realize what it is, how it has affected their life. Yeah. And I, I really like like the idea of like telling a story in some ways or another. Yeah. Like you look at a band like Mariana's Trench and they like to revisit themes or like there's a through line with a lot of their stuff. Yeah. And like, I don't really write music like them, but I like the idea of that. And that's what I looked at resuscitate me with. And then Mm -hmm. with this, the new record we're doing a storm you can weather. Yeah. We actually took like a, I took an approach to writing a song where I wanted to like, cause it was the third record. You always have the idea of trilogies out there. Yeah. And I wanted to have like a conclusion almost to like the last good few years of like the music. Yeah. Basically close a chapter off, start a new one with touring and playing live and everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I wrote a song called February Winds, and it actually revisits a ton of songs from Killing Me. It revisits songs from Angel from Hell. It's this big nine-minute long just like rock opera, revisiting things and like closing everything off in just a tight little bow. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's, it was quite a challenge for Cody and I to make it. it. We're still going through it, but it's turning out extremely well, and I can't wait to have that one out there. I'm really that's proud good. of that one. That's good. The Desert Tiger Podcast. off to your feet everyone around me let's applaud this disaster spinning round me guitars will play the house will shake even if this hurricane doesn't break make it heard make it loud if you want to be proud if you want the whole world to change right now guitars will play the house will shake even if this hurricane doesn't break So let's make a change, let's do it right here now Before in the end, we're all just asking how But just don't let your reasons go 
Don't let your reasons go Let's make a change, let's do it Make it right here now before in the end We're all just asking how But just don't let your reasons go Don't let your reasons go This hurricane doesn't break Boats do sink If the hole's right where you think Better make a change Before we dry the ink Guitars will play The house will shake Even if this hurricane doesn't break So let's make a change Let's do it right here Now before in the end We're all just asking how But just don't let your reasons go Don't let your reasons go Let's make a change Let's do it Make it right here Now before in the end We're all just asking how But just don't let your reasons go Don't let your reasons go Let's make a change Let's do it Make it right here Now before in the end We're all just asking how But just don't let your reasons go Don't let your reasons go Let's make a change, let's do it Make it right here now before in the end We're all just asking how But just don't let your reasons go Don't let your reasons go And we will say For which? Well, I would have to say, because Killing Me is, um, it's an interesting picture, definitely. Yeah, uh, we didn't try too hard with Killing Me, actually. Yeah. We, uh, like, there's, like, a couple of, like, folders of art that Uh we had on a desktop, and that one spoke to us, and I I actually made the joke, 
because you have on the co- the other cover there's one of the leaf petals that fell and like oh you should put yeah. the, the the title next to that and we're like oh that fits with killing me and we just found that picture and went with it <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah it was pretty just like last minute with that one angel from hell i kind of planned out a little more yeah because you've got that split yeah yeah sort of like you've got well there is angels and demons on both sides but it's still like it is sort of split down the middle and the artwork sort of like picks a tail of both things and yet both sides are still fighting with themselves yeah and i think like i don't know if it was a hundred percent intentional but i think a lot of angel from hell just came from like like looking back at yourself again the introspective theme and just learning to embrace flaws and like the good things the bad things this is what it is and i think that's what that record ended up being really in the end okay that's awesome so you said that you are currently working on a storm you can weather yeah that's the next one it's it's a good one okay so it's yeah you're you're pretty excited for that one excited to take it on the road yeah not like like here's the thing killing me i look back good album angel from hell extremely proud of it but this next one really makes angel from hell look worse than killing me like this is like we i think like personally i've taken a songwriting step just as an artist as well like everything is just working at 100 percent on this record i believe that's fantastic i am super excited for it there's like some like odd songs on there like in a good way like each song is just such a character it's it's very eclectic in its presentation sort of thing almost and like i kind of have that habit with records too but i think this is the first time where like the like the the chaos has like a really round theme and like through line like it's very like cohesive this one okay very like Hmm. natural i think flows a lot more yeah i would say so yeah Okay, that's awesome. Uh, you happen to mention that you are... Well, actually, first, I should ask, when are you planning on releasing that? Uh, the record itself, I believe we're going to have out either in June or July. Okay, so sometime in the summer here. Yeah, and I, we're going to plan a tour for that, hopefully, if everything goes well. We're going to tour the record as it comes out. But leading up okay. to it, we will have a couple of singles come out. I'm sure that will work out. So that probably means a couple of videos on the way as well. Yeah, uh, for the new one, Nightclub Dancing Dave O.T., the first single from the record, we will be having a lyric video that comes out with it. It comes out okay. on February 16th, and then we play... Oh. Yeah, it's going to be in support of a tour that we're doing again with Mostly Wanted, and we'll be playing the first show in Lethbridge on the 17th. Okay, and that is going to be a tour of Western Canada, correct? Absolutely spanning saskatchewan alberta and bc yep or okay that's pretty awesome yeah it's i'm super excited for it to get that song out there and start playing some more of the songs yeah um i know that i got a invite from the lead singer from mostly wanted about going out to the show so i'm definitely gonna try and make it out yeah i'd love to see you out there that'd be great yeah man i'm love making the trip for a good show so make it out there for sure perfect See my good boys and storm the wall as well. Yeah, I think Cody's going to try and tag along to most of the shows there. Should be great. I know that he usually likes to do some of the driving portions of the tours. So yeah, he he finds a way with everything. He finds a way with everything, man. That he is dedicated. Yeah, he's good. And uh, I love working with him because it's it is it's just working with people who not only care about what they're doing but also care about everything else that they're 
involved in and want to just help everybody be the best product they can possibly be man like that's what he does for me great a love the dude (laughs) if it weren't for him we wouldn't be talking right now right oh exactly and i i plan on uh giving him a huge shout out in the outro for that (laughs) absolutely cody we love you we love you so much whoop whoop (laughs) yeah hopefully he's listening to this point we'll make him listen to this point oh we know he'll, he'll listen to this point he will if not, I'll tie him to a chair and <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get him to make listen. it happen. Exactly. All right. So you have a tour coming up. You have a album coming out. What else is on the scope? What else is in the future for Mr. Tanner Seer? Um, I think after this next record comes off, again, like I said, it's closing off a chapter with those three records there. I really want to focus on playing live more, just getting better live, being a better singer, being a better artist. And I think that will lend itself better to writing more material in the future, better material. I think I could always get better. Definitely. It's if you're not looking to improve, what are you doing, right? Yeah. And then another big goal of mine is to eventually start working on the production side of things too. Like I'd like to be able to start learning this as well and hopefully working with Storm the Wall continuously in the future and learning from Cody and just everyone I can learn from. Because one day I'd like to make the record 100% myself and I think that's a goal I can achieve. And again, that'll just make me the better for it. Hey man, if you believe it, I totally think that you can achieve it. Thanks, man. Like I didn't believe I could sing, but here I am. exactly right you just have to get comfortable enough with it and just know that it's possible absolutely that's awesome so what are some of the interests outside of the musical world um for mr tanner i love movies and i love hockey i literally okay. just watch movies all the time I, I basically write like okay funny story again okay like i said the song the snow is supposed to be like this uplifting just be a good person thing the, yeah. the reason it's called The Snow is because I watched a movie called Snowpiercer starring Chris Evans on Netflix. <laughs> and it's, it kind of lends to the political thing that I didn't intend to, where it's like they're stuck on a train and like the front, the front train has all the rich people. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm just going to call this song The Snow. And I, like, that's why it's called The Snow. <laughs> huh. Yeah. So like, I it's pretty deadly. Like a lot hmm. of things, like I find a lot of metaphors in movies too. Like I love the movie La La Land, if you've seen it. I have not seen it yet, but I plan on to. I thoroughly enjoy that movie. It's one of my favorites. I've seen it far too many times. But <laughs> on Angel from Hell, Magic in Your Eyes, I have a reference to that. Um, when we first, when I first wrote Drop Your Pride, it was more like of an Ed Sheeran rappy thing in the verse. Yeah. And I had like, I had throwaway lines to like Star Wars and stuff. And just like, I like to like incorporate everything I watch almost. Like, I, like I love movies. <laughs> it's insane. It's deadly. Instead, as you incorporate the things around you, and that kind of makes the people that are listening to you not only feel more connected, but just makes it so much more out there. <laughs> yeah, I like to have the the personal little touch as well as the metaphors and everything. Yeah, definitely, it's awesome. So, uh, what kind of movies are you into? Like, do you have a specific genre, or if a movie can make me cry? I genuinely give it like three more points than it deserves. I love like movies that can make me cry, happy cry, sad cry. I don't care. Sad movies are the best. I don't know why. Oh, my um, God. And then I personally love the Avengers, anything Marvel. I mean, DC is yes. okay. They're getting up there. Hopefully they can get their shit together. You, you have to be a fan of darker movies and you have to actually understand the DC storyline. Uh, it's like, yeah. 
So many people hate things, but it's like, it's because they're referencing so many goddamn things at once. It's just Zack Snyder is a good visual director. He's not a good storyteller, in my That's opinion. It's it's like, Batman vs. Superman hints at like, oh, here's like these five different scenarios we could do. Yeah, it's just like a, like a combination but... of like 10 years of material, basically. No, exactly. It's like, we're going to hint at all these different things but we're not going to confirm anything for you so basically we can just do whatever we want because we have the flash and he's a time traveler yeah and like i watched the <laughs> ultimate edition of that one and i actually like like the ultimate edition it's a decent little movie there like it makes sense more than like what they released no it's it is it's like a lot of people don't understand it but it's like you actually have to look at it and it's like right off the bat you know it's an alternate universe because batman's dad is alive yeah yeah but, but like, it's like a lot of people can't see through that. <laughs> it's just like I watched that Ultimate Edition. I'm like, oh, this is better than what people thought. And then like they did Justice League and they like chopped it all up with Joss Whedon. I'm like, oh, now I want to see the Zack Snyder one. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I don't know, like a lot of times I agree with critics and then sometimes I really don't. Like, have you seen the new Star Wars? I have. I don't like no spoilers or whatever. If unless you want to talk spoilers, I hated that movie. I don't know why. I mean, I know really? why. I have like, I think factually, I have a lot of opinions that make sense why it's really stupid. But if you I like it, the more to why me. a lot of people don't like it. But I have, to me, it was realistic. It's realistic to a point. I think, like, it's like. I know that a lot of people have a way and it's not their Luke, but I feel that it fits the Luke character because in reality, Luke is weak enough to do these things. I think people would have accepted the Luke more. Like even I accept most of the Luke things like sure it's different, yeah. but like, I think it would have been like just presented in a better movie. I think like that movie, every second of that movie is on the verge of brilliance, but it's like a drunk guy stumbling home at the end of the night. It just can't put one foot in front of the other. Huh. See, I enjoyed it a lot, and I thought it was one of the better done ones. I think, yeah, no, I think it's definitely good, but, like, I don't know. It's just for me, I was, I thought it could have I been so much I can more. understand because there's a lot of things that they don't play into. Like, there's a lot of tropes that Star Wars likes to follow. yeah. That he was just like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, a lot of people say, like, it's like, it subverts all your expectations, right? But at the Well, it's exactly what it does. But at <laughs> the end of the movie, you have the same ending as Force Awakens. Nothing really changes. You still got the good guy, you still have the bad guy. Basically, they're following the exact same structure as they did with the first three movies. Not as in, like, the first three trilogy-wise, chronologically. Like, A New Hope and whatnot. They're going with the first movie where nothing really truly happens in the end. Yeah. It's like, because they just have a giant destructive ball of doom that gets destroyed. The second one, Evil ends up winning in some form and the good guys still escape and in the third movie it's probably going to be tied together with the good guys winning if they have another death star in the ninth one i'm gonna laugh so hard i'll actually almost respect <laughs> them for doing it like such like that would be so stupid i'd almost respect it i almost would too because it'd be like man you guys are dedicated yeah like oh, that'd actually be hilarious
And we're like, okay, well, sure. I mean, if you guys really, really, really just like Spheres of Doom. <laughs> That'd be great. I would love that. But yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe there's something to learn with the storytelling of that one. Maybe on my fourth record, I'll just go 100% the other way of where I'm going, and I'll just do like a, a folk record. Maybe I'll do a country record next. Who knows? Who knows, right? Yeah, I'll go the Star Wars route. Go anywhere. And if people don't like it, I'll say it's subverting your expectations. <laughs> it's too smart for you. <laughs> that's it's too smart for you. That's what I I'll tell it. Is it's it? It was one of the most real storylines for me. But it's like I can understand a lot of the problems that people did have. I like personally. I walked away from that movie. I'm like Kylo Ren was probably made the most sense out of everyone. Kylo Ren played his character perfectly. Yeah. Luke played the character he had to in order for Kylo Ren to be created that way. So those two fit very well. Yeah, like the character he had, he did it well. I just think yeah. like the reason like why Kylo Ren exists because of what he did, I'm like, this is so stupid. This is the guy that like turned Darth Vader. How did he like like he fixed well, Darth like, Vader? <laughs> I know, but it's like if you look through the history of the family, it's like Luke is completely weak enough I as suppose. a character for that to fall. Like that's how I look at it. Is I think that Luke is actually weak enough for that to happen to him. And I but think yes, yeah. like the execution was just like not a hundred percent there for me. I don't believe. That's fair. But I, and then another thing though, like this is a personal thing. This is a me problem. I'd say is like the whole yeah. time I was watching it, I'm like. I, I guess this is kind of spoilers if anyone's listening that cares, but like the whole movie, I'm like, Carrie Fisher should have died there. Carrie Fisher should have died there. And then she makes it out of the movie. I'm like, oh shit, what are you going to do? They're CGIing her. Oh, I hope not. That'd be horrible. They are totally CGIing her. I'm pretty sure it's already been said. Yeah, but then you're going to watch the movie and it's going to look like Henry Cavill's mustache from Justice League. And that was a whole, <laughs> that was just, that was great. I love that actually. His, his stash. Not for the movie. It was just a great viewing experience. Watching his lip jiggle like a cup of jello was amazing. <laughs> it was brilliant. That is the perfect description. He looked like he was constantly tucking his lip up on to the upper of his gums, and he was smiling. It was weird. <laughs> but if they do that, yeah, sure. Okay, to sell me on episode nine. Like, I completely agree that Leia should have died numerous times. She should have been the one to fly the spaceship into the other one right that would have been great that would have been amazing can you at least admit with me that that scene was wicked oh it's mint yeah like, that scene is intense more scenes like that and less of the casino yes it's the disneyfication god it felt like a prequel i felt like i was watching attack of the clones again the disney the disneyfication of it all and trying to add humor is it's like you don't have to add humor like this. There's different ways to add comic relief. Yeah, like it okay. It worked with Han Solo. It worked with the sarcasticness of Princess Leia. Like I loved I actually like the humor. I don't know why people think the humor is the big negative of this movie. I just think it's, it's conv convoluted and like negative. bloated at times. The one thing I it's didn't not. like is the when he threw the lightsaber. Yeah. Because you wait two years at the end of that movie and then they ruin basically the end of the last movie. I'm like, ah, damn it yeah <laughs> it's just like what because you I watch can't. that movie and you're like oh two years from now i can't wait to see what happens and he does that and like get out of here 
<laughs> yep. Jeez, but yeah, it's a sell me on episode nine. I want the Henry Cavill lip mustache for Carrie Fisher, and I want two Death Stars. I want two of them actually. Just make two of them. <laughs> two of them, so that when they destroy the first one, he can just stand there. And be, you fool! Exactly. That's how you there get around the it. second one. Didn't this happen before? No. <laughs> yeah, like that's what they need to do. Just go full blown. If you're gonna copy, copy it all the way. Go all the way. No, exactly. Just go balls to the walls for it. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah, and I'd respect them for it. It'd be great. I want my tiny teddy bears. <laughs> oh, you no, the porgs are pretty cool. I like the porgs. The porgs are pretty cool. They're neat. The porgs are pretty cool. Yeah, they're like maybe one of the better parts. I think I liked. Like they're super cute. I think so. Matching up Chewbacca with a porg and just having two creatures scream at each other was actually pretty hilarious. Yeah, that, we need to get a song going of a duet between him and a porg. <laughs> That's the key to success, folks. If you wanna, if you want a top forties hit, it's what you need. You need four chords and a porg. Four chords and a porg. That, uh, copyright. That's going to be my next album. <laughs> four chords and you a could, porg. You could literally name the song Four Chords and a Porg," and people would go crazy for it. <laughs> Oh God, I like, I, ironically, I think that would actually be one of like maybe the most popular things I could do in the next year. <laughs> <laughs> like of all your songs to blow up, it'd be the one that's just like batshit stupid. Like, oh, you hear that yeah. new song, Four Chords and a Porg? It's really good. <laughs> just really, really gets me going in the morning. <laughs> it'd be the next Rebecca Black Friday. Oh man, totally. <laughs> everybody's sitting outside line for episode nine just bumping their phones yeah you listen to that tanner sear four chords and a porg yeah bro yeah bro. no like honestly i would be happy to have that happen if i could be the next smash mouth i'd take it because yeah, i don't want to be super famous or anything i just want to be able to make music and afford to live so if I, I can know. just write my Smash, Smash Mouth song and continue on, I'll be happy. Smash Mouth thinks if it wasn't for Shrek, they would have been huge. So <laughs> Because of Shrek, he's huge. That song's actually know, pretty right? good, too. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's their Facebook page where it's like, if it wasn't for Shrek, we finna be huge. Oh, God. Well, at least you're ambitious. <laughs> yeah, right? You're going to need ambition if you want to be in the music industry. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Oh, you said you're a fan of hockey. Who's your team? Oh, God. You first. Who's your team? Um, You are going to laugh at me. Is it Toronto? No. Vegas? I cheer for the old Winnipeg Jets. Oh, my God. Now known as the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> you poor soul. You poor soul. <laughs> I know, right? You might hate me then because I'm a Ducks fan. Ah! Yeah, Anaheim Ducks. Uh, it gets even worse. My favorite player is Ryan Kessler. Of course. Yeah, I love him. I actually went to California a year ago. I saw them in the Honda Center. I flew all the way there to watch them really? lose in overtime. Oh, yeah. against two. Uh, San Jose. Brent Burns just destroyed us in overtime. But I got my Kessler jersey. That's deadly. Yeah, I love it. I'm going to, like, honestly, like, worth it. for years now, like, because they've been on the verge of winning a cup for a good five years. This might be the last chance. I doubt it's going to happen. I'm actually a Vegas yeah. fan, too, on the fence. Like, if they won a cup, I'd be super happy with them because that'd be insane for their first year. But yeah, no doubt. I've always wanted to write a song. Like, if the Ducks won a cup again, I would 100% mm-hmm. do, like, a meme song just being like, like, we are the champions type shit. <laughs> I've always wanted to write a song about the Anaheim Ducks, and it's almost like a, like a sick disease I have. Like, I'm going to write a song about the Anaheim Ducks one day. 
<laughs> it's gross. I just don't I know how to for... See, if you can get to the point where they play your Anaheim Ducks song before or during an Anaheim Ducks game. Oh, God. I, I could die happy if they did that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> and like, if they ever get close to winning the cup again, like I, I want to go to the game where they win the cup. I want to be there yeah, in person. No I don't doubt. know how I can make that happen or if it will ever happen, but that's another goal. It might goal. be a little difficult, but I'm sure it's possible. Well, a man can dream, can't he? <laughs> a man can dream, that's for sure. Yeah, I want to see that's Kessler hold sure. that thing up. <laughs> no doubt. All right. Uh, before I ask you one more question, before we let you go, where can people find you? Uh, on Facebook, we have a musician band page under the name Tanner Sear. That's C-Y-R for the last name. We are on Instagram at Tanner Sear Official. Again, C-Y-R for the Sear. And through there, you could find links to our Twitter, and we'll have a YouTube go up shortly for when we have singles and stuff come out like that. Awesome. Yeah, Definitely absolutely. We'll have to keep our eyes open for that. And then make sure if you go to my pages, make sure you go check out Bellevue with Cody McManus and Shane there and uh, Storm the Wall. They will help you out greatly. Awesome. Yeah. Huge love to those guys for sure. Absolutely. Still, like Cody and Storm the Wall are killing it. Love those dudes. Yeah, they're killing All it right. and it's killing me. Last question. Besides Billy Talent, who were your high school influences? Oh, shit. Um, okay. I got to go Muse. Muse, 100%. Yeah. But, oh, okay. High school, I went through a weird phase where I played a lot of Motley Crue for a weird reason. And I think it's because I wanted to like really play with a pick more. Because Nikki Six yeah. plays with a pick. And he's not the best bassist. He's far from it. He's a good songwriter, though. I'll give him that. He, he's, he's not the best at rhythm. Yeah. But, but he's got amazing stage presence. <laughs> and they, they have weird tuning. All their, like, all Motley Crue stuff's like tuned half a step down, if I remember correctly, or a good portion I'm of it. I'm pretty sure it is. So, yeah, I went through a phase so where I'm like. I learned too fast for love at one point. Yeah, I ran out of Muse songs to play, and I'm like, okay, I should learn how to play with a pick because I did everything on fingers, and I still primarily yeah. do. But, yeah, I learned some Motley Crue to play with that, and they have some pretty good tunes. And I guess that was a good high school influence there. And then I branched out into a lot more pop and stuff. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Tanner. No, thank you for having me. It was a great conversation. No worries at all. I'm, like I said, I always love spreading stories of people's creativity and their passions. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, we'll see you out on the road there when we go on tour in the February. Hopefully. Again, if you go to our social media pages, Mostly Wanted or Eyes, you could find the tour schedule for that. I'll rep the dates and the locations in the outro for you. You're a beautiful man. Ah, no worries at all. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, have a good one. You too. I want to thank Tanner for taking time out of his day to sit down and chat with me and the Desert Tiger podcast and share some of his stories and his experiences. If you enjoyed the song that we played halfway through the if you enjoy the song we played halfway through the show, the song is called The Snow, and it comes off of Tanner's second album, Angel From Hell, which you can, can find on Spotify, and you definitely should. You can find Tanner Sire by looking up Tanner C-Y-R on Facebook, T-C-Y-R Official on Twitter, and Tanner Sire on Instagram. 
I also want to give a huge shout out to Cody McManus and the Storm of the Wall Boys for helping set this interview up. For those of you that don't know, I have been dealing with something that is called cyclical vomiting this week, so if this hadn't got set up, there was no way I was going to have an interview this week, so thank you so much, Cody. And if you want to see Cody or Tanner Sear or any of the boys in Mostly Wanted, these are the dates that you're going to want to keep your eyes open for. Tanner Sears dropping his new music video on YouTube. I believe on February 16th, and that's where Mostly Wanted is starting the tour in Regina, Saskatchewan. On February 17th, they move to Lethbridge, Alberta, and that is where Tanner jumps onto the tour. From there, they go to Red Red Deer, Alberta, and then on to Calgary, Alberta, before jumping on over to Revelstoke, BC for a single show, and then head back to Edmonton, for February 23rd, and that is all Tanner Sear is going to have for this tour, but if you're a Mostly Wanted fan, you can catch Mostly Wanted on the tail end of the tour on February 24th in Saskatoon. Alright, so this is now my time to thank you guys, the listeners, for keeping this alive, for helping me out so much. When I put out that I might not have been able to have an episode this week, The response I got back from you guys of who I could possibly interview and everything was amazing. You guys killed it out there for me. You guys actually made this interview happen. And that is what is amazing. And I hope that you guys can continue to help make this happen. If you have any suggestions for people you would like to see on the show, send me an email at desert.tiger.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all by looking up Desert Tiger. On Instagram and Twitter, it's Desert Tiger Podcast. On Facebook, it is Desert Tiger Entertainment. You can also visit our website if you want to listen to any of our previous episodes. They are all there, and you can find them by going to DesertTigerEntertainment.com. All right, I want to thank you guys for tuning in so much. You guys killed the end of 2017 for me, and 2018 only looks to get better. So I hope you guys are just as excited as I am, because this year is going to kill it. I know that all of us can kill it this year. But before I let you go, you know I need to give you a little bit of a quote to maybe make you think, maybe get you motivated, whatever it does for you. This is one to maybe make you think. And this comes from a song by Tori Amos. Never going back again to crucify myself again. You know, never going back again to cruise myself every day. What does that mean? It means that every day people look at themselves and they beat themselves up for the things that they don't think they're worthy of or the things that they think they're incapable of. Don't let these things accept you. Quit crucifying yourself and holding yourself back. When are you going to love you as I love you? Have a great day, everybody, whatever generic time of the day it is.